So your rent sucks and you want to stop renting, but you're afraid. Why? Where did that fear get planted in you? Fears usually do to not knowing, wondering what that bump is in the night and imagining it to be way worse than just probably the stray cat that's outside your window. Fear sells and people like it. When it comes to buying a home, since things are going up in prices, I hear a lot of this. What about the crash of 2008? You got to put 20% down because of the crash of 2008. This is the same thing all over again. It's a great headline. It's a great scary talking point, but it's totally wrong. Let's talk about it. What is up, my how to buy a homies? I'm here. I'm still David Sidoni, and I'm still Captain Positivity working to bust all the naysayers and let you know, yes, you can do this. And in fact, for most of you out there, if you're renting, you should do this. Did you know that the average age for a first-time homebuyer in 2021 was 33 years old? And since 1991, the lowest average ever, all the way back 40 years, the lowest average ever was only one year when it dropped to 28 years old. And the average over those 40 years has been 31 years old. 31 years old has been the average for 40 years. And get this, in the last five years, when interest rates have been dropping and rents have been skyrocketing, it's gone up from 31 to 32 to 33 in 2021. What the hell? Let's lower that now. It's time to crush the confusion and get rid of the fear. If you're renting, don't let lack of knowledge be what holds you back. Let's lower that age because not a lot of you out there are 25 to 33 years old and still living with your mama. Hey, no judgments if you are. You know, in fact, you can probably save a heck of a lot faster than all the renters out there. But still, gang, why is that number so high? 33 years old. That is a lot of wasted rent money. And it's probably because no one gave you the confidence to tell you you can do this. Well, I have 73 times in episodes already, but, you know, no one besides me. Think of it this way. What if they built a perfectly safe new road to your work and it would save you 40 minutes a day in travel time, but you didn't want to drive it because someone told you it was scary and unsafe. What a waste. Well, today I want to back up my forecast episodes that I gave a little earlier for all the super negative freakout monsters out there that are coming up to you and telling you that road is super dangerous and you should spend 40 minutes a day on the other road and just play it safe. You know those people, the bubble people, the crash is coming people, the drama queens are kings. I'm imagining it goes down something like this, and I'm going to give you the ammunition to retort. Okay, first, they come up to you and say, it's a bubble, it's terrible, it's going to be a crash, everyone's going to die. Ah! And then you say to them, well, can you tell me the pre-crash data that caused the crash? I mean, if we're doing the same thing again, you obviously know what happened before. So now it's probably happening again right now, right? So what's that data? Tell me all about it. Now, when they stare at you blankly because they just love all the drama and they don't actually know what the hell they're talking about, then you can look at them and ask this follow-up question. And how does that data compare from back then to what's happening right now? 
most of the time, the only thing they're going to say to you is, man, well, look how much prices are going up, dude. I mean, it's insane. All the buyers are bidding like crazy because they think it's going to last forever. But that's what happened the last time before a crash. So a crash has to happen again. I mean, it can't keep going up like this forever. Cool. Well, congratulate them on getting a few things right in that statement. Number one, prices are going up insanely. Number two, buyers are bidding up homes. And number three, it can't and won't last forever. Now, the facts from the experts in episodes 62 and 63 agree that, yes, prices are going up. And they went up insanely in 2021, but the insanity is slowing and the inventory is growing slowly, too. So the bidding war should begin to taper off at some point. And as for it not lasting forever, oh, and as far as it not lasting forever, it can't last forever, man. Okay, then, well, it's still going, so how long do you think it will last? And then you tag it with this. Oh, and since you don't know how long it will last, and you assume it will crash without any knowledge or data, here's some facts for you. Then you can tell them all this fun stuff. You know, all that safe talk, how to be safe when you buy a home and not get in trouble. It started a long time ago. It's the 20% down payment rule that's been preached by Dave Ramsey and a whole lot of other people with this holy guideline that will keep us all out of financial ruin. And that rule was out there before the last run-up when many of you weren't even born, starting in 1998. And during that run-up from 98 in the early 2000s, well, guess what? The market took a huge crash in 2008. And the rule everyone was so excited about, that 20% down rule, it was an old philosophy that had been around for a long time, but it got a ton of credit, too much credit for the market crashing in 2008. But boy, did people love to get up and say, see, I told you so. What happened was during the crash, many homes went upside down. Now, if you've never heard that term before, it's probably a very odd picture in your head. So what it means is you owe more on your loan than the home is actually worth. And most people thought that this happened because people got in with low down payments and the market moved. So when it crashed, then everyone was upside down or also what they called underwater, meaning the home wasn't worth the mortgage they had on it. And then if they couldn't pay the mortgage, well, then they had no other alternative. They couldn't sell the home because it wouldn't be enough to pay back the bank. So they had no equity in their home. So foreclosures became the norm. And of course, then the apocalypse happened and cats were sleeping with dogs and there was fire in the streets. And yes, in some cases, yes, low down payments contributed some to the crash, but there was so much more. I could debate this forever with all kinds of things that I've mentioned in previous podcasts. But the biggest thing, which I may have mentioned before, the biggest thing is my favorite stat that nobody talks about when they say that low down payments are bad, horrible, stupid, and they cause bubbles and bubbles pop. See, what they say is that the low down payments caused the crash of 2008. Well, it wasn't the low down payments that was such a huge factor in the crash. It was that people didn't save their equity. See, if you buy a home and it goes up like 35 or 40 or 50 percent, like it actually did in the crazy times of 1998 to 2006, if you kept paying on your loan and you didn't borrow against your equity, that profit, that increased value in your home, because remember, your loan amount, it's just the amount that you paid on the day that you bought it. The equity might go up 30, 40 or 50 percent, and that will increase the value of the home. 
plus, you know, whatever you've been paying over the few years, because you will actually lower the principal a little bit. So if the market suddenly drops 35% in a few months, like it did in 2008, and you haven't increased your loan at all, you still got equity in the home. It's just like you bought a Bitcoin at $40,000, and then suddenly you looked at your phone, and now, boom, it's worth $60,000. Well, now, that's cool, but you didn't sell the Bitcoin right then. You just looked at it, and then suddenly, a few months later, it drops back to $40,000. Well, what does that mean for you? Nothing. No harm, no foul. Unless you took out equity. In the 1980s, HELOCs, home equity lines of credit, borrowing against the value of your home, the equity, that became a thing. Now, it took a little while for people to get the hang of it and start using it and for the banks to start selling it to people. But by the year 2000, there were $62 billion worth of home equity lines of credit, the HELOCs, $62 billion worth of... Now, you're thinking, oh, that's the big stat. No, 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 that's not the stat. There were $62 billion worth in 2000 in America because, you know, America, it's where we like big trucks, cheap beer, and free money. Well, the market started going up in 2000. So in just six years, by 2006, since home values were going up fast and people were seeing the value of their homes double or triple, they called their banks and asked them for their God-given right to access that money without actually selling the asset. That's like if you had that $40,000 Bitcoin that went up to $60,000 and you called the people on the internet and said, hey, uh, give me that $20,000 right now, but then I still like to keep a Bitcoin for $40,000. It doesn't work like that. You can't get money at no risk. Yes, your home is worth more, but if you then demand the money out of it, well, you're either going to do it two ways. You're going to sell or you're going to use one of these HELOCs and then put your asset at risk. So in just six years, from the 80s till 2000, it took us that time to get it up from HELOCs just being a thing to a few million to a few billion to 62 billion. But then from 2006 in just six years, home equity lines of credit rose from $62 billion worth to $626 billion. From 62 billion to 626 billion in just those six years because homes were going up in value. So that's a lot of home maxed out on their mortgages and praying the values are going to stay there. That's my favorite stat, my favorite piece of data that nobody wants to talk about when they talk about the crash. Okay, now, how do the numbers read? Like this. In 2006, 62.8 of first-time buyers took out a second mortgage on their home. Lots of those were the home equity lines of credit, the HELOCs. It was now suddenly worth twice as much their home than when they bought it, sometimes three times as much. So they took out these huge loans against their home using the fun new value as what the hell, an ATM. And many of them used their home ATMs to take money out and buy cars or jet skis or travel. Or they paid off credit cards with the home equity lines of credit and then they ran the credit cards back up because that's free money too. You know, whether they're decorating the home or going to Vegas or buying shoes or just buying lots and lots of sushi. Now, some of the 62.8% of the people in 2006 that were using a second loan, they did it to make their original home purchase in 2006. And those 
what we call a second loan, also same kind of line of credit, th- those loans sucked. They had horrible rates and they often adjusted later in what they call a balloon rate. And that balloon ain't no fun like the balloon horsey that clown made for you at your birthday party. It is a big, fatty payment that people didn't understand was coming sometimes. And so suddenly, boom, they got this huge payment. And now their home is worth far less than the loan that they have on the house. And oh, well, now they're just in a spot where they've got a short sale or do a foreclosure. So this is the big fact. 62.8% of people had a HELOC or a second loan in 2006. That's bubble numbers. In 2017, second loans were only 5.9%, down from 62.8% before the last bubble. And so you're thinking, oh, well, it must go up in 18, 19, and 20, right? Because everyone says the bubble's coming, right? In 2021, it was 3.2%. So everyone who's saying it's a bubble coming because it's just like 2008, well, in 2008, 62.8, well, I can't say it, but you know it, 62.8 people had a HELOC or a second loan. In 2021, 3.2%. As the old timers like to say, it's a far cry from the 62.8% in 2006. Now that, my friends, is a bubble. That is unsafe. Real unsafe. That's the biggie, everyone. And, you know, when you're talking to our friend at the beginning of the podcast, you remember the one with the blank stare when you asked him, her, or they for actual data, and they freaked out that you would even think of buying a home with less than 20% down? Well, that's the big one you can tell them. And then here's some other numbers you can throw them about the crash of 2008 and how this is nothing like 2008. No matter how much they want to relive 2008, no matter how much they want to relive all the single ladies with the queen or relive the first Iron Man or play Mario Kart on their Wii. So squash the drama and erase their fears with these stats. In 2006, before the crash, the percentage of first-timers with 20% down or more as a down payment was 23.9%. In 2017, it had gone up to 26.2%. And in 2021, it's on pace, I think it's closed out about 32%. Okay, so down payment numbers are going up. That's a good thing. But You know, this is the big number that the chicken little sky is falling bubble enthusiasts love to throw at you to freak you out and turn you into a renter for the next five years so you can keep paying rent because you're waiting for it to crash so you can get a big old deal. Well, meanwhile, you'll be watching a normal market with no big crash happening, no big deal sitting there waiting for you in the wings. I'm telling you this because I had buyers tell me that in 2017 and they've now been renting for five years. Multiply your rent by 60. That's how many months they've been renting. See how much they've spent in rent. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, the market has gone up 30 to 40% since 2015. Yeah, like 30 or 40%. So that's a lot of free money. But even when you tell them, hey, look, it's not a bubble because this is a good thing. The numbers up over 8% from 2008. That's not even going to be enough for these bubble, bubble, toil and trouble fear lovers. So fine, here's some more data for them. For all the people that say, don't confuse my rent with your fancy numbers and facts, well, tell them to shut up and just tell them this. In 2006, 40.9% of first-time buyers put zero money down. That was another problem. First-time buyers, 40.9% put zero down. In 2017, it was only 7.4%. And in 2021, it's 9.7%. 
And most of those of that 9.7%, most of them now are VA loans for our military or vets. And they have some of the most stringent approval criteria out there. The 40.9% in 2006, not a lot of VA loans. That's the veterans loans. It was more these loans called stated loans. What's that you say? Well, just like it sounds. You call a lender, state what you make. Hello, lender. I make $150,000 a year. Thank you, buyer. Here's your money. That's the way it happened. For reals. State what you make with no paper proof. And then, whoop, here's your loan. Well, that all stopped after the crash. In today's market, military and veterans can use that VA loan to get zeroed down, but that's about it. And those VA loans, they're tough. I mean, they have really intense guidelines. And, you know, they're also a lot safer than people think, because guess who's their employer? Yeah, Uncle Sam. And those salaries are set in stone. That's not some startup that's going to fizzle out in a couple of years. So figuring out how to get a, a zero down approval for them, it's pretty safe. So the stated loans took away all those crazy zero downs. And meanwhile, as we move forward, not just the veterans and the military people using the VA loan, but there are other regular buyers, lots of mine, that used 3.5% an FHA loan or 5% down. Why are these safe? Because these loans are massively more scrutinized than they were back in the day. I mean, we're talking super difficult approval standards. So some of the time, they are just as safe as a 20% down payment because you are put through the ringer to make sure that you can pay this. I've told this story, I'll tell it again. I had an investor worth $10 million that he bought all kinds of homes during the unregulated state era of loans, and he never defaulted, even when the market crashed, because the dude had tons of money and he was just playing the leverage game and he had plenty of stuff to move around and make it work. And his philosophy during the run-up when they were giving him stated loans was like, they're gonna lend it to me, I'm gonna take it. And he did, and he made a lot of money. And then suddenly, in 2009, he calls me up when he's trying to buy another one, he says, David, if this guy calls me one more time for verification on something, I'm going to go down to his office and strip down to my underwear and ask him what else he needs to know before I can get my damn loan. So yeah, things are a little different now. And the last big stat, in 2006, 38.1% of first-time buyers used an adjustable rate mortgage. That's a killer. And that was a huge contributor to the crash. These rates are not fixed. They're not locked in, like I talk about in all my other podcasts. Today, almost every first-time buyer is using a locked-in rate. It's called fixed. You've heard the term a 30-year fixed loan. They say 30-year fixed because five-year adjustable, three-year adjustable, seven- or 10-year adjustable. That was a thing for a long time. It's still out there, but only for people that really understand the game. Now, the way an adjustable rate works is it starts with a low teaser rate. So you can get a super low monthly payment for up to, like I said, three, five, seven, or 10 years. But then after your adjustable, when they say adjust, they should say jack up because they don't adjust, it jacks way up. And suddenly your monthly payment might double or triple. So again, in 2006, 38.1% of the first time buyers were using these time bomb loans. In 2017, only 4.4% first time buyers using that. And in 2021, remember, this is the year that everyone says is going to be the one that causes the bubble. 
Now, in 2006, it was 38.1. In 2021, 1.2% of first-time buyers used an adjustable rate mortgage. 1.2%. And that's sometimes called an ARM. Adjustable rate mortgage. See how that works? So if you think, you know, I don't want to be like all those stupid people who use low down payments and got foreclosed on. Well, good news. You're not going to be like them. (laughs) It's totally different now. The people who got in trouble used stated zero down payment loans or adjustable rate mortgage loans, or they took out a second mortgage, all of which those numbers have pretty much disappeared. And all of these back then were insanely easy to get. Look, here's the deal. I sold plenty of homes to plenty of people after the crash, and they all used, not all, many of them used 3.5% down, and none of them went bankrupt because they did it right. Now, some of them did it right because they took my advice, but some of them did it right because things have drastically changed, and now you're just forced to do it right because they ain't going to give you a loan otherwise. Now, buyers have to do it that way, like my buyers did who listened to me. But as I said at the very top, the fear is baked in. The old legends still are out there. So when someone gets in your face and someone tells you that you're crazy for doing this, spit those numbers at them. Tell your freaked out sky is fallen, fear, love, and drama king or queen. These are the numbers. Unless it's your parents, and then I'd be a lot nicer to them because you're probably going to ask them for help with your down payment, right? So for God's sakes, get the numbers, feel confident, and know this is the right call. And once you figure that out, which I hope you've done in the last 20 minutes, and now you're just ready to go, get on this because the market is running away from us. In 2022, you're losing equity every day. And look, that equity is running away. That equity is just cruising. And you're not going to get that if you're listening to music on the way to work or scrolling through your socials on your free time. I know it sucks that you actually have to learn about this stuff, but it's free money out there and it's running away from you. So go through the catalog, listen to the topics, all the episodes, look at the titles and look at the things you don't understand yet. And maybe if you do think you understand it, maybe you should listen to those too, because you might be surprised at some of the information that's in there. But take a little time each day from your scrolling, from your music and take action. Listen up and learn. If you got a specific question, you can ask me. Now, I'm a Gen X person, so probably best to ask me on Instagram at David Sedoni or bust out your browser, go to davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com and shoot me your info. And then I will email you back because I am old. Drink. I'm old. That's how we do. Ask a question. Or if you're ready, go ahead and just go on the browser there, go to those websites and ask me for a local unicorn team in your area to help your team started. If you want more information, you can check out the YouTube, scroll through the Instagram feed, Go to the How to Buy a Home Facebook group. And remember, I'm old. I'm on Facebook. Drink again. And if you want to giggle a little bit, watch me dance on TikTok. Now, in honor of you guys taking on your fear, I decided I'm going to take on mine just for you. I hate scary movies. I hate them. I just jump. I startle so easily. So I challenge you to find any realtor with more than three years experience, someone who's worked with first-time buyers, or if there's any realtor out there listening to this show for tips because I know you're out there. I challenge that realtor or you guys to find one to show me their content. And if they have even half of the first time buyer content that I've got with the facts and the data that I'm giving out here for free, I will live stream my butt watching a scary movie of your choice. And you will see me scream like my 11 year old daughter. I'm 
totally willing to do that for you because I want you to understand that this is just like the movies. It's not real. Beat the fear. And guess what? When the fear is gone, you're soon going to learn, hell, you're going to know you can do this.